Well, um, let me add my welcome to all of you this morning. It's great to see you here. Um, my name's Andy. As, as Peter mentioned earlier on, we're going to be uh, starting a new series over the next four weeks. We're going to be covering uh, just a, a series on the basics, really, of Christianity, what it's all about. Um, the vast majority of people, I think, in this country, in our society, uh, live with a complete misunderstanding of what Christianity is really all about. Um, that misunderstanding comes from a variety of sources. It's different for everyone. Um, but generally, you've got uh, childhood stories. Um, people might have had some contact with church growing up. They might have had some Bible stories read to them as children, maybe gone to a church playgroup or something. And that's fed into their understanding of what Christianity is all about. Um, there's the media portrayal of Christianity, which uh, generally tends to be about, uh, t- tends to be negative, all about um, priests abusing children and the church's stance on homosexuality and marriage. And generally the media portrays Christians in quite a negative light. And that feeds in to people's understanding of what it's all about. Um, There might be occasional church going, um, the odd wedding of a friend or funeral of of a loved one when they set foot inside a church. And then amongst all those different sources, there's sort of guesswork to fill in the gaps. So people live with this misunderstanding of what it's all about. So the idea really over the next four weeks, is to take some time to look at what the Bible actually says about Christianity. And we'll be covering four kind of basic uh, topics, like Peter mentioned earlier. Um, God, humanity, sin, and salvation. Four topics. And we'll look at what do people think that's all about? And what then does the Bible teach? And what does God actually say about what, um, what Christianity is all about in those areas? And as Peter said, we think is going to be um, good news. So our aim in this series really is um, whether you're new to things completely um, or whether you've been a Christian for a long time and you're familiar with it all, um, that will show perhaps some surprises um, and good surprises and, and there'll be challenges, challenges for us all as well. So today we're looking at the subject of God. So a nice small one to start with, nice and easy. Uh, I think it's probably fair to say that everyone has got different ideas of, of what God is and what, what God means. I, I guess if you were to take a survey um, in the street today of a thousand people from Chippenham, you'd get some people who say that they really believe that God exists, they're convinced that he, he's there. Some people who are convinced that he's not there. And then others who would say, well, I don't know. And we can't know. We can't know anything about God. But the point is that we all have some idea in our heads of what God is like. Um, we will have some idea in our heads of what God is like, even if you don't believe in him. So, um, for instance, uh, you could be the most hardened skeptic. Um, you're convinced that religious belief is just a fairy tale. But we have a conversation about God. And as soon as we use the word God in that conversation, an image will come into your mind. Some idea, some picture of something you associate with the word God. And the question is, well, where does that come from? Where's that image come from? It's come from somewhere. So where? The point is, everyone has an idea in their heads of what they think God is like. And if you don't believe in him, the question is, well, which God don't you believe in? Everyone's got an idea in their heads of what they think God's like. And well, even if you do believe in God, we have a conversation about him. There's no guarantee that we're talking about the same God. God can mean so many different things to different people. So for some people... Um, God is outside the universe. For some people, God is the universe. Um, For some people, God is many gods. 
For some people, he might be a she. For some people, God is personal. For others, he's impersonal. Some people, God is like a policeman. He's saying, don't do that. For other people, God is just silent, doesn't say anything. We all have an idea in our heads of what God is like. The question is, when we talk about God, which God are you talking about? So that's what we'll deal with today. I don't know if any of you have seen um, the film Noah. It was out earlier this year. Um, Noah is played by Russell Crowe. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you go and see it. I'd say it depends on your taste in films. It's kind of like a cross between uh, Lord of the Rings, Gladiator, and Titanic. So if you like those films, you, you might like Noah, as long as you don't go expecting it to be much to do with what the Bible actually says Noah did and was. Um, but anyway, Noah's played by, this, by Russell Crowe. He's kind of a radical um, environmentalist. He lives in this wasteland that has been left by the rest of humanity who's evil and um, destroyed everything. And he's kind of living at one with nature, looking after flowers and birds and things. And, uh, but he's tormented by this dream. And in this dream, he, he understands that God is going to destroy the world and destroy humanity by a great flood. Um, and so there he, he builds an ark then. He thinks God has told him to build an ark to save the innocents. And in, in, in this film, the innocent are the animals. And Noah's got this idea in, in his head that uh, God's going to wipe out everyone, including him and his family. So he builds an ark to save the animals. And then he thinks, well, when the, the, the flood's gone down, then I'll kill myself and my family as well. So it's kind of a Greenpeace take on the, on the Noah story. Um, but I won't spoil what happens uh, in, in the plot any more than that. But what's really interesting about the film is the way that it presents God. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, so God is referred to throughout the film as the creator. Never referred to as God. And he's kind of this mysterious character. You're never really sure what he's doing in the film. And he, he's very, very distant there's very little that's told about him. We know very little about him. He's got no name, n- not even a hint of any kind of personality. He's just someone up there in the sky that's doing things we don't really understand. And everyone's got to try and make it up. There's a few scenes in the film where uh, the main characters are sort of um, looking up into the sky and they're saying, God, what are you doing? Why are you letting this happen? And then the, the, there's a shot of the sky with just the clouds. And it doesn't move. And it's silent. And the, the message of the film is... We don't know anything about God. He's mysterious. He's just silent. Someone that created the world, but he's got no, no personality, no kind of connection with humans. And that kind of thing, it's really subtle, but I think it really powerfully um, influences and is influenced by our, our view of God, our idea about what God's like. We think of God in our society as having a defining characteristic as the creator. He's the one who started everything off. People say, oh, there must be something up there, but he hasn't got a name. I don't think he's got any kind of personality. He's just a mysterious being. And that's, I think, often reinforced by our um, interpretation of suffering that happens to us. We all go through suffering. We all go through hard times. And if you've got that idea of God in your head, you therefore imagine him to be this silent figure who's, who's distant. Um, and how does he feel about humanity? Well, we don't know. But we, we imagine he's kind of frowning. We imagine he's not very pleased with us. We all have some idea of God in our heads. And we need to know if that idea is right. It's so important that we know if I, our idea of God is right. Um, there, there was a famous um, Christian author and speaker in the 20th century called A.W. Tozer. He said this, um, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
Why so important? It's because our idea of God is going to determine how we respond to him. We'll either be drawn to him or we'll be turned away from him. And it's important because if we've got the wrong God, then we could be rejecting the wrong God. And that can make all the difference to our lives. So there's two big questions I want to try and answer this morning. Uh, Number one, what is God really like? What does the Bible say about what God is really like? And two, how does God really feel about humanity? Is he really distant and kind of frowning? So two questions. First thing to say before we answer is that we have got no hope of answering these questions on our own. Um, just try and imagine for a moment, if you will, um, a group of people, and they're, uh, they're in a room. And the room is, is white, it's got white walls, a white floor, and white ceilings, and there's no doors and no windows. Just a group of people in a white room. And they're just there. They've got no memories. They don't know who they are. They don't know how they got there. So after a while, questions are forming. Well, why are we here? How, how did we get here? Is there anything beyond this room? And after a while, um, various different people in the group are going to start forming various theories about what might be out there beyond the room. And one person comes up with a theory. He's convinced there is a gigantic monkey ruling the world. And the monkey has got the humans in this box captive as pets. Another person says, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Um, The world out there is ruled by a, a, a flock of mice. And they have kept us here to do experiments on us. And they're having this big argument about what's outside the room And a third person says, don't be ridiculous, neither are true. There's nothing out there, nothing beyond what we can see. Let's just get on with living our lives. But the reality is, and the point is, they they can't know. There's no way of knowing because they've got no evidence. There's there's nothing that they can see beyond the room. It's just just guesswork. But what if one day there's a, a scratching at the ceiling and then bits of mortar start falling through? And a man jumps through and he lands on the floor and he says, I am from the outside and I have come to tell you what's beyond this room and what you're doing here. What if that was to happen? That would change everything, wouldn't it? No longer guesswork. Someone's come in from the outside. And the Bible says that's what's happened in the world. That's what's happened. I'm going to read just one verse. If you've got your Bible with you, um, turn to John's Gospel. Um, chapter 1. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry. Um, The verse will be on the screen behind me. John chapter 1 and verse 18 says this. uh, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. John was uh, one of the, the close friends of Jesus, wrote a biography of Jesus called John's Gospel. And he says this in the introduction to his gospel where he talks about uh, Jesus coming into the world. No one has ever seen God. Well, that's right. Just like those people in that white room haven't seen anything outside the room. They've got no idea. No one has ever seen God. So what we need is someone to step in. And that's just what's happened. God at the Father's side, he has stepped in and made him known. And that person is Jesus. Jesus has smashed through the white ceiling into our world. And he said, I'm here, and I'm going to tell you what God's like and why you're here. And Jesus is uniquely qualified to do that because, as this verse says, he is God. He is God. He's uniquely qualified to tell us about truth and reality. So what then does Jesus show us about what God's like? Well, it's a, that's a big question, and the short answer is just go and read, read the Bible. 
um, with that question in your head, read one of the Gospels and, and have a look at what Jesus shows us uh, that God is like. And it, it will blow your mind. It's amazing what Jesus shows us that God is like. But the, the main headline is that he's not what we think he is. The main headline is Jesus shows us God is not like we think he is. It's about as, as far away from the God of Russell Crowe as you could possibly imagine. Um, so if you keep reading um, John's Gospel 3, you'll see that uh, Jesus starts calling God his father. And uh, he, he makes claims to be of equal status with God. And uh, he talks about being uh, existing before the world began. He talks about being the only one who can provide salvation for us in eternal life. And he talks about uh, sending the Spirit, who is also God, to be our helper and our comforter. And you start to realize the way that Jesus is speaking, that there is one God, but God is not alone. God exists in three persons, Father and Son and Spirit. He's very, very different to what we thought he might be. And he is united as one God in three persons. And what unites these three persons is love. A pure, devoted, untainted love for each other. So the defining characteristic of God then is not just that he created the world. It's that he is love. God is love. And everything else flows from this. And Jesus comes and says, I am the second person of this trinity and I have come to tell you about what I am really like about what God is really like so then we get towards the end of the gospel and Jesus is having a conversation with uh, Philip um, in John chapter 14 if you want to flick some pages over and uh, he says can I grab this bible and read it thank you I didn't bring it up with me he says this let me read John chapter 14 and uh, verses 8 to 10 Philip said to Jesus, "Uh, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? It's amazing. He says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. There's this kind of interconnectedness between Jesus and his Father, they're, they're so closely united, they are one. And Jesus says, if you've, seen the fa- if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at me. He says, I am what God is like. Just take some time just to think about that for a moment, just to dwell on that. If your idea of God, whatever comes into your head when you think of God, if that does not include Jesus, you've got God completely wrong. Jesus says, you want to know what God is like? Look at me. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. And this is just such good news. Because you read the Bible and you read about Jesus and you see how he interacts with people, the things he does. And the God that Jesus reveals to us is so attractive. He is compelling. He's someone that you can't take your eyes off. If God is not like Jesus, someone said, he should be. He should be. So that's what God is like. God is like Jesus. So what about our second question? How does God feel about humanity? Well, to answer that question, I'd like to take us to a story that Jesus told um, from Luke's gospel, another of the the biographies of Jesus, chapter 15. Again, it will be on the screen behind me if you haven't got a Bible. Um, Luke chapter 15 and verses 1 to 7. I'll just, I'll read it for us now. Luke 15. 
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, that is Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So the first thing to say um, is that uh, this is a surprising story. Take a look at um, verse 1. That the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. So the sinners... People who knew that they were a mess, people who knew that they needed fixing, people, who, who, people whose lives weren't together, they were drawing near to Jesus. The first thing is that's not what you'd expect from a God who is distant and who is frowning on sinners. The sinners, people who knew they needed help, were the ones who were drawn to Jesus. And the scribes and the Pharisees, who, who we learn about in verse 2, grumble, grumble because uh, they were the religious elite, and, and they were offended at Jesus. They thought sinners just needed to be judged. But Jesus was spending time with them, associating with them. So they're against Jesus. And so Jesus tells this story because he wants to teach them a point. And Jesus wants to teach them about how God really feels about sinners. So let's look at this story, how God really feels about sinners. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic story for a, a kid's book. Um, you may have read this story growing up, I don't know. Um, I think of the, the books we've got at home for Chloe, our daughter, um, probably about five of them are, are this story, The Lost Sheep. <laughs> it's, it's a classic. You've got the farmer who's lost a sheep, goes out, searches high and low, finds a sheep, has a party. Uh, I, I think when we, when we imagine this story, we kind of picture uh, rolling hills, Welsh countryside, lots of grass, nice neat fields with boundaries and edges. One of the sheep gets lost. What that means really is he's got his head stuck through a stile somewhere. And uh, the farmer goes out, five minutes walk, there he is, brings him home, job done, uh, have a party. But actually, the, the, the first century Israel context that Jesus spoke the story into, shepherding was completely different to that. Uh, it was nothing like that at all. Um, it, was, it was rocky terrain. So the, 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 the bit of land that was available for farming would have been used for farming. Shepherds weren't considered a high part of society. So they would have to cope with uh, the bits of, of terrain which weren't so grassy. So finding good pasture was a real effort. There wasn't nice fences they would lead their sheep over the hills and mountains all day, trying to find pasture and water for them. So it was a big effort. It was a big job. And the, the shepherd would literally lead their sheep, and the sheep would learn the shepherd's voice and follow the shepherd as the shepherd tried to find good, good pasture for them. The shepherd would, they were a tough character. They'd have to endure sweltering heat of the Middle East by day. If you've ever been there, you know how hot it is. Um, Turkey or Greece in the middle of summer is sweltering. And then at night, they'd have to sleep with the sheep to keep them safe from, from uh, attackers or bears or wolves. So it was a really hard job. You could spend days on end um, with the sheep in the day, sleeping out at night. And as I say, uh, shepherds generally were, were not high in society. They were pretty low down. And so they, they were generally poor. So if you lost a sheep, that's a really valuable thing. So it's a real concern. And that's why Jesus says, obviously, if someone loses a sheep, they're going to go out and find it. They're going to leave the safety of their sheep pen and they're going to go and find the sheep wherever it takes 
And it wouldn't have been five minutes down the road, a head caught in a stile. It would have been probably hours of wandering, rocky, um, mountainous, kind of wilderness country until you found this sheep, which may have been stuck down a ravine. It would be a big effort to get it back. And then carrying it back, would have been, the sheep would have been exhausted. The shepherd would have to carry it on their shoulders. Um, and a full-grown sheep can weigh up to 70 kilograms. That's the weight of a full-grown adult. Imagine carrying that on your shoulders for a few hours. So it's no wonder that Jesus said, well, of course, when a shepherd loses a sheep and finds it, there's going to be a party when he gets home, of course. And the point of this story is to give a little insight into how God feels about humanity, specifically about sinful humanity. And the story works on a number of levels, because actually we are very like lost sheep. We're very much like lost sheep. What does it mean to be lost? It means to be away from home, away from where you belong. So where do we belong as humans, as humanity? Well, the amazing answer is we belong in the relationship of God. We were actually created to be in the Trinity, within the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We were created to be known and loved by God. But just like sheep, we've wandered away from home, from where we belong. And we've abandoned God, the God who loved us. We've broken that relationship that he made us for. And that's what sin is. It's rejecting God, the source of life, and being cut off from him as as a result. It's like, and we are therefore lost uh, like sheep down a a pit, down a ravine, and, and we're dying. As a race, we are dying. So we are like the sheep, we are lost. And Jesus is like the shepherd. He is determined to find us, whatever the cost. But Jesus is so much more wonderful, even than the shepherd who finds his lost sheep. See, he left not just the safe sheepfold, he left his home in heaven with his father who loved him. And he endured not just a few hours of searching in the wilderness. He endured painful rejection at the hands of those he created and ultimately humiliating and excruciatingly painful death. Jesus didn't just carry the weight of a sheep on his shoulders. Jesus carried the weight of the sin of the whole world on his shoulders. Why? To bring us back home, back to where we belong, back to the love of the Father. With all of our sin and rejection of him, Jesus came to bring us home. And we're welcomed back in with open arms. So what about the father? Where's he in the story? Is the father reluctantly agreeing to accept us back just because Jesus has gone off on some rescue mission? Absolutely not. The father is the one who sent Jesus on the rescue mission. And the father is the one who's throwing the party to celebrate. Did you see that in the text? Right at the end of the story, Jesus says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The rejoicing is happening in heaven. It's the Father rejoicing over the sinners coming home. Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. He says, you want to see the Father? Look at me. And he shows us that God's heart is to bring humanity home. 
back to where we belong, including you. So here's the question. Is that what comes into your mind when you think of God? Is that what comes into your mind? Remember that quote? What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what do you think God is like this morning? Maybe you're here and you, you don't believe in him. You're just not really sure he's even there. Um, maybe you, 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 you believe in him at one time, um, but you, you've gradually become convinced that actually, look at the world, I just don't think it holds together. He's not really there. Well, it might be that you've rejected the wrong God. It might well be that the God you've rejected is not the God who really is there, the true God of the Bible. And I would say to you, look, if you're interested in finding out more about the true God, keep coming and keep looking and come and find out more. Um, We're going to be running a course in November, four Wednesday nights in November, called 321, an introduction to Christianity, talking about God, the Bible, the world, and what it means to be a human. Um, Please come along to that course. We'd love to, to get in touch with you. Please talk to the person who you came with or Um, keep in touch, come along again. Um, That would be a great way to try and find out more about the God that perhaps you didn't realise you've rejected. Or perhaps you do believe in God, and perhaps this morning you're feeling distant from him. Maybe you are are aware of uh, the, the, the problems in your life. Maybe you're like those sinners who know that you need to be fixed. But instead of coming to Jesus, you're believing that God is perhaps disapproving of you. You're convinced that he's just disappointed in you because of who you are. Well, I want to say, look at the Bible and take Jesus at his word. God's heart is to bring sinners home. And that includes you. So whatever idea you have in your head of God, put it out of your head and replace it with this one. (laughs) Replace it with this one. God loves you and he longs to bring you home. Or maybe you do believe in God and you're a regular here, but perhaps you're just feeling a bit distracted. Distracted this morning. You've perhaps lost sight of how good God is. And to be honest, you're just a bit more interested in other things right now. Other things that are filling your mind and um, getting you excited. Well, again, I'd say just come and take a fresh look at Jesus. Go and read your favorite gospel. Read all of the four gospels. And take a look at what does Jesus show us God is like. This is what the real God is like. He's like Jesus. And take some time to let it soak in. God really is like this. And you really are invited. So wherever you're at this morning, wherever you're at, if your idea of God does not include Jesus, I want to say you could not be more wrong. He loves you and he came to rescue you. And his heart is to bring you home back into his family where you belong. So we're going to take a few moments now just to pause and and reflect on all that. I know there's lots to take in. Um, I'd encourage all of us, wherever you are, whether this is really um, familiar territory, you've been here loads of times, or if you're completely new to this, um, just take some time to think in the next few moments. Do I really, in my heart, believe God is like this? Do I really believe he's like this? And if I did, how would it make a difference to how I respond to him? Okay, let's take a few moments.